Thank you for calling Gaywire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Hello, and thank you for choosing option three. Welcome to Gaywire, where everything's at least a little bit queer. I'm your host, Neil Rensinga, and my pronouns are he, him. Today, I will be joined by the wonderful Genevieve. Hi, I'm Genevieve Aslan, and I use any or all pronouns, and you are listening to CGSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton, situated in Treaty 6 territory. For this episode of Gaywire, one of our fabulous reporters, Terrence Adams, spoke with musical artist Zia Mezra. They give Terrence the down and dirty of making music as a queer artist. But before that, we want to give a really, really big thank you to all of our listeners for donating during Fun Drive. Thanks to all of you wonderful people out there, we exceeded our goals. Very true. As you know, CGSR is community-funded, so we could not function without donations from our amazing listeners. Now, to Zia Mazera. Zia Mazera, and my pronouns are she, they. Uh, the reason that we're talking today is because you wrote one song in 24 hours, and I thought that that was kind of kind of fun, kind of wacky. Um, so, if you were to to sort of summarize that that experience, 
in in an elevator pitch sort of way what would that be um it just feels like it wasn't you know it wasn't a choice it was like something that was happening to me i was like living my life i had a lot of chores to do that day and then this song was just like you need to write me right now and you cannot stop until i'm done <laughs> and i was like okay <laughs> this doesn't happen very often it's not like i do this all the time <laughs> yeah um well the the song itself is fun um and in the the description mentioned it, it features a, lots of interesting things so let's unpack a couple of them you describe the song as the sweetest melody i have never sung yeah <laughs> and I, I think that has like a little bit of morose beauty to it. So where where did that come from? It's it's actually a quote. It's a quote from a Patrick Watson song um, that's called Melody Noir. And he sings, you are the sweetest melody that I have never sung. That's kind of like the hook, I guess. Um, and like the rest of the lyrics are sort of like, like ethereal, like you are the breeze of a melody that carries me or something like that. And like, like I sit beside your shadow and it comforts me. And he, he talked about it like, um, like it's just um, that like eternal pursuit of like, I don't know, like creating art. Like he was, you know, you're like seeking out the most beautiful melody but it's like, it doesn't exist kind of thing. So that really inspired me. <laughs> so that's where that comes from. Cool. And the description also mentioned a bit of a wacky brain time. I keep using the word wacky, it's stuck in my head. Um, would you like to give us a little more info on that? Sure. Um, so basically, uh, right around the time that COVID began, so it would have been like April 2020, I, I, I was, I was um, basically in the throes of like a, like a really intense like weed addiction. So I was smoking like a lot of weed every day. Um, and uh, it triggered in me my predisposition towards psychosis. Um, and then for a few months, basically I was psychotic. Um, and it's, it's a really difficult experience <laughs> to describe because it's just a total, uh, it's not like reality, um, as I, as it usually is for most people. And yeah, and so I was hospitalized and I received treatment and luckily the psychosis went away because it was drug induced um, by the weed. So now if I just don't smoke weed, I shouldn't develop psychosis again, um, hopefully. But during that time, I was like totally unable to make music. And I've been making music my whole life, like constantly. It's like what I do when I'm, what I did when I had free time. It's what I did to de-stress. It's what I did to just all the time. And I just totally lost the ability to do that because my brain just wasn't functioning right. Um, and so that summer I totally stopped making music. And then this was like the first song that I like really wrote since then. 
so and I like I tried a few times but I just like couldn't make anything happen and it was very like emotional and I would have to stop and it was like triggering sometimes and so that's another reason I don't know maybe that the song just happened in 24 hours because my brain was like you know what today's the day we can do it again <laughs> yeah uh 24 hours is like that's a that's a very small timeline to to create something how does one do that what, what was the experience like for you <laughs> I I don't know um I've always like tried to write the meat of a song in one sitting but then it always takes much longer to like get all the recording and stuff done but I always find like the best ideas I have are happening like the moment that I'm like conceiving of the whole song. So like that part was normal for me, like doing the, like the first maybe five hours were spent just like writing the song, like figuring out the chords and the melody for myself and um, the lyrics as well. Um, and then all the sort of like embellishments and like the actual playing and the recording, like that's what took me all night. <laughs> that's a, a little bit, less of my comfort zone too so <laughs> yeah um was there something in particular that like made it so you you knew that it was the time or did it just hit you like a truck no it, like it hit me like a truck i was supposed to clean i was supposed to move that day i was to move all my stuff from <laughs> from my apartment to my dad's house like all the stuff that i wasn't taking to my new place and and I like arrived with one car full of it at my dad's house and there was no one there. And I had my like stuff, my like recording stuff in the basement. And suddenly I was just like, I'm not going to move today. I'm going to write a song. <laughs> That's very fun. Um, and yeah. how, how does it feel to sing and create again after so long of like having that block? Oh, it feels like... I don't even know. It feels like I, I don't know, like, it feels like my ears have been clogged and then I just went to the doctor and they cleared them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just feel like I had like a sinus infection and now it's gone or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's like somebody just like, I don't know, pulled out my ingrown hair or whatever. I'm sorry, that's gross. But like, it just feels like I'm I don't know, something's been like unclogged. Yeah, um, I, I know that for uh, a lot of artists, uh, art in, in general is is a journey in finding yourself and stuff, and sometimes a, a journey of finding yourself again. Um, do you resonate with that? Yeah, 100%. Like, okay, so like when I was psychotic, I deleted because I made a lot of music before I deleted everything I ever made I deleted everything I ever released and I deleted all the original files I I burned like my sheets where I wrote my lyrics and my chords because I was you know having a mental breakdown and I I just like when I was like recovering from that and I still am but I I would say I'm through like the worst of it like it was just like who like I I could only remember like certain songs and then other ones I would forget and I just was like who am I anymore like I can't relate to that old version I don't have any music left like it felt like I was starting from the very beginning <laughs> so I definitely relate to having to find myself like a second time <laughs> 
yeah, um, this is news to me that you had other music because um, obviously in, in preparation for this interview, I was looking for, for music to, to talk about. And I, I found it very intriguing that there was just the, the one song. Um, and it's even more interesting finding out the, the reason behind it. And also uh, it, it's, it's very sad that you lost your, your old music. That's yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Losing old creations. It's, it's bittersweet because the, the, yeah, creation and the, and the relation between artists and your creation, it changes over time, but it's always, it's always there. Yeah. But it helped me remember like not to get too attached to these things because like at the end of the day, like they are fleeting and like, like you don't get to hold on to them forever you know so like for a while I was like really devastated I was like who am I like nobody nobody's gonna like care to listen because like all my credibility is gone or whatever or all my music is gone but now I just I don't know in a weird way it's kind of nice to have a clean slate now <laughs> yeah I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty good that's pretty fun yeah in a, in a way yeah <laughs> I get to restart. Um, yeah. Um, so then talking about the the song itself and some of the the lyrics, um, would you mind going into inspiration for the song itself? For sure. Um, so the line, like, sweetest melody I've never sung did kind of start me lyrically. Lyrics are very important to me. Like, I don't know how to write music without doing the lyrics, like, basically at the same time. And it really informs like where the song goes and how the melody is. Um, and I, I don't know, that line really stuck with me because it, it reminded me of the feeling of like, like when you have like um, love that you never got to not consummate, <laughs> but like you never got to actually, you know, it's like the one that got away or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you don't get to actualize the feelings in reality, sort of. Yeah, like maybe, and maybe you get close and maybe there's something there, but for one reason or another, like nothing happens, you know? And that those are some kind of like feelings that I was like processing too. So that's probably why I like went there in my mind. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's that's a pretty, that's kind of the theme of the song yeah <laughs> cool 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 um how, how did you decide on the instrumentation the, the basically the person that i was like into that it didn't work out with this is awesome <laughs> i hope they hear this um was like uh played the guitar right so i was like okay i tried to learn guitar for you and i can't play the guitar like i can't like I can play a few chords and it's actually funny cause I taught guitar for a year, but I can't play guitar. And every time I try to learn it and I, and I love the way it sounds, it's so beautiful. I always want it in my songs, but I can't figure out how to put it in there cause I can't play the thing. And so with this song, I thought, okay, I'm gonna try my best. I'm gonna try my best to like learn guitar and like play a little bit of guitar on this song because it's going to be like funny like I tried to learn guitar for you and there's guitar and I just like I tried and I was like playing I was like 
this is not gonna happen so I just I decided to make it like fully piano and you know how songs like are always like get, you'll have bands where there's like three guitars you'll you know and it just seems like you can endlessly add guitars and people are always get adding guitars and it's fine because there's the rhythm guitar and there's the lead guitar and then there's another guitar doing more rhythm or fills or whatever and i was like no one ever does that with pianos like there's never like one piano and then another piano and then another piano so that was also kind of the idea behind it i was like fine i'll have a guitar band but just with pianos that's super fun <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. Is is there a certain way that you'd like listeners to resonate with the song when they listen to it? Oh, I don't know. I hope they I hope they get I hope they get distracted by all the little things happening in the background. But I do hope they they listen to the words and relate to that feeling of like nearly nearly being onto something or trying so hard to learn something and or trying so hard to make something happen and it being just a little bit out of reach because that's the feeling i was trying to uh, convey nice nice um how about in the future um so you've you've got one song your your fresh start what's what's coming next well, I've I've talked to a producer um, here in town, uh, Catlin Kuzik, and um, we've agreed to work on I think four songs together. So, um, like, and basically, I want to find some guitarists um, because I really really love guitars. Um, obviously there will be piano because that's sort of my instrument um but um and and i and i want there to be you know like elements of uh production too like in like uh, synthetic instruments but so I'll, the goal right now is to get some band members together and sort of jam out like a rough form of what i want it to, the songs to be like and then then we'll, like a series of sessions with the producer to try and pull it all together. And then I also am collaborating on a couple of songs with um, some producers who don't live in Edmonton, like just through like one person in Toronto and one person in Calgary. So um, we're hoping to just like do a little bit of back and forth and try and make it more of a produced, like two like more produced songs. So that's sort of what's coming up for me. Yeah, so can you tell me about how you got started playing music? Um, I grew up playing the violin, um, classical violin. My parents put me in violin and I liked it fine. Um, well, actually, I do remember like crying while practicing a lot, but only because I didn't want to practice, but I did like it somehow. And I would sing in choirs as well. And I used to do musical theater in high school and a little bit after high school as well. Um, so that's sort of like where it began. Um, then I started sort of like, um, attending noise shows and like er experimental music shows and thinking about trying to like make that kind of music. And that's when I started to really like experiment with sound in my own bedroom when I was like 18 to 20 two or something 
Um, and that's what led me to go to McEwen for music, um, which I, it took me four years to get a two-year diploma. <laughs> um, but uh, to be fair, I had a mental breakdown. Um, and uh, that's where I learned piano. Um, so at McEwen, I, I started as a vocalist and then I decided to switch into piano because I wanted to learn the piano. And that was a really good decision for me um, because I, it helped me really like elevate my songwriting. And uh, now I'm just, yeah, then I had a mental breakdown and I'm here. <laughs> Um, oh, during that time also, like while I was at McEwen was sort of when I wrote most of my other songs under the name Zia Baby CEO. Um, and we had, I had a couple shows or maybe three or shows or something as well before COVID came for us. <laughs> yeah. I was curious about the the general feeling of like your past music self in relation to your current how's how's that going i think when i started as the baby ceo i was like i'm gonna be a pop star <laughs> i was like i'm gonna write pop hits and i'm gonna you know do my hair and wear little outfits and really try and create like a an aesthetic centered around the the star if that makes sense um and musically i was doing more produced stuff and i was just, yeah trying to trying to make it dancey but it always felt kind of forced and like as time goes on i'm realizing like okay like maybe i am just like a little bit of a dirty little indie chick or whatever um <laughs> and maybe i do like sort of the softer things and maybe maybe that's more of my comfort zone. And I still want to try and make dancing music, but I, I don't feel as close to that as I used to. I, I'm more interested in like authentic, not authenticity, because it's not that pop music is unauthentic, but just, uh, I guess, like more of a subdued, like quieter kind of honesty. So yeah I, and i'm still not sure like what name i'm gonna release the the like new like better produced music under um it might be love hurts dot, dot bomb but it might just be my name we'll see <laughs> yeah yeah well um i'm looking forward to it and we'll give it a play on gay wire <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah um so do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share uh just thank you thank you for listening to me talk about my artistic uh sensibilities nobody ever lets me ramble on this long about my songwriting um and it's obviously on my mind a lot so <laughs> yeah um yeah i'm glad you're on the upswing yeah psychosis is pretty intense but it gets better and it's treatable and just takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
Well, thank you, Zia, so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, and we're going to be hearing your song right after this. Um, yeah, it's been great having this talk. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thank you so much. guys this is just editing artemis here i couldn't find the song that uh terence and zia mazera talk about in the interview but i found another song by zia mazera called prescription bass better better by zia baby ceo here it is
Once again, that was Prescription Base Better Better by Zia Baby CEO. I'm editing Artemis, and back on with the rest of the episode. That was Zia Mazera speaking with our reporter, Terrence Adams, about music and the creative process when you start from scratch. You're listening to Gaywire on CGSR 88.5 FM, community radio funded by listeners like you. And we mean that without you, yes, you, we really couldn't make all the stuff that makes you smile. But just because our fund drive is over doesn't mean we won't still accept any and all donations. If you've got some loonies to spare, think about donating to the station. And now for a very special second segment, here is a piece on a community fridge. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today about your community fridge. Um, would y'all mind giving me your names and pronouns? I'm Rosa, I use she, her pronouns. And Daniela, also she, her pronouns. Awesome, thank you. So um, just to start us off, what is a community fridge? Um, a community fridge is uh, basically a fridge that anybody can access. Um, so it's stocked with food that anybody who is in need can use. They can take away as much as they want with no judgment. And um, other people can donate as much as they want to the fridge as well with certain restrictions like um, it has to be vegan food and um, no home cooked meals. Cool, so where is this community fridge? Earth General Store on White Avenue. Awesome. And um, can you tell me a little bit about the team that started this? Um, why why did you guys decide to start it? Um, so I saw on Instagram that Calgary had their own community fridge, um, and they had they have like a pretty cool Instagram um, account for it, and it was really inspiring. It looked sort of easy and really useful. So I told the rest of Food Not Bombs, and they they all. Um, agreed that we should try to do that and we had been just trying for like maybe six months trying to get um, an actual fridge in the location yeah so um, what sort of challenges did you encounter trying to get that process started like was it difficult to get a fridge um, yeah, to the spot the fridge was definitely a big part of it um, sort of like just like organizational challenges as well, like trying to get everybody together in one space to make it happen in the middle of COVID was difficult. 
Um, but um, through our friends at the John Humphrey Center, we were able to get a fridge and then uh, basically we coordinated with them. So some volunteers from John Humphrey Center and some volunteers from Food Not Bombs got together to make it happen. Awesome. Um, so what goal are you hoping to achieve in the community with this fridge? Um, basically increased food security for people. So um, less people going hungry and more people having stable access to food. Um, and I think that part of our understanding of food security is that food security that is proper leads to other good things in life. Like if you're not in survival mode, trying to find your next meal and your next place to stay, that kind of thing. Um, it makes it a lot easier to do the other things you need to do, like um, hold down a job and take care of your kids and take care of your mental health and all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sort of um, trying to make the fridge self-sustainable. So it's not just us, but like the whole community is involved in it and everyone can just join without having to act and just yeah, feeling involved and engaged. Yeah. Um, how can the community become involved? So I think um, definitely like the easiest way to become involved in the fridge is just to go to the fridge um, yourself and put some items in and maybe give it a wipe down. Um, that way, um, if you're you know, anxious or something like that, and you just want to do it yourself, you don't have to even connect with us. But if you do want to connect also, people can just message Food Not Bombs Yag on um, Instagram or Facebook or at our email address, which I can um, give to you. It's, it's, well, it's foodnotbombsedmonton at gmail.com. Um, so they can just email us on any of those platforms and um, they can just say, hey, I want to join. And then I just send a volunteer package to them and they have all the details they need to become part of the organization. Cool. Um, so what sort of restrictions are there on what sort of donations you can accept? Um, so basically it's pretty simple. I think we essentially agreed on um, no home cooked meals, vegan meals and um, food that is in decent shape, I guess, like uh, not rotten or severely past the expiry date. Um, so like safe to eat. Um, that's basically it, yeah. Yeah, and um, what about non-food items? Um, so probably if people have non-food items that they want to donate, we do have a program called Helping the Humans, which um, gets people food hampers on a regular basis. So that's separate from the fridge. But if people wanted to donate, like, you know, diapers for your kids or clothing or something like that, we have other programs that we would definitely be willing to accept it uh, for. Um, we probably wouldn't take it for the fridge, but we're definitely willing to accept other supplies um, and either take that on street outreach egg meals to homeless people or um, helping the humans for low-income families. I was also thinking of just adding like a shelf beside the fridge for, for non-refrigerated items. So we basically just have to find that some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, adding a shelf. Um, I've seen that with some other community fridges uh, in BC, I think, um, where things like toiletries or uh, sanitary or uh, menstrual hygiene products are placed there. Um, so 
in terms of the future, do you have any sort of future plans um, for expansion um, aside from like potentially adding a shelf? Um, so we've seen that in Calgary, they built a like a shelter to get just to keep the, the fridge from freezing during winter and things like that. And we sort of have that intention, but it's going to be harder. So we decided to just start it like this and then in the future consider building a shelter. So yeah, that could be a thing. Yeah, probably for the winter, we'll work on constructing the shelter for the fridge um, so that it'll be able to be used all year round. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, and how about y'all personally? Um, why why did you guys personally get involved with this? Um, um, so I helped start Food Not Bomb Dieg about three years ago. Um, basically, I felt that um, I, I was politically active in other organizations and I felt that we were not doing enough kind of direct action and um, directly impacting people's lives. Um, and I heard about Food Not Bombs as an organization. So I said, well, you know, that's something that's going to help people. So let's do it. And so I started it with a group of friends. Um, and then with the community fridge, I think the probably the main point that really struck me um, that made me want to do it is the idea of um, kind of dignified and discreet food security mm -hmm. efforts. Um, I think a lot of people are really nervous about asking directly and like giving their contact information to somebody who's a stranger. Um, for one thing, it's embarrassing and also for safety. I mean, not that you should be embarrassed to ask, access food security, but some people feel that way. Um, so giving people a discreet option um, so that they can just go to the fridge themselves and take what they need and never have to talk to anybody, I think adds a level of dignity to the work that we do um, and gives people more options so that they feel safer in accessing food security efforts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for me, it's sort of the same. I um, I saw Food Not Bombs in Mexico doing some cool stuff. And then when I lived in Calgary, I tried to find some Food Not Bombs group nearby and there wasn't any. Then I moved to Edmonton and I found it here. Yeah, and it was it immediately felt right. Like it was the right kind of thing to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I, for one, a uh, big round of applause for what you're doing, because um, radical access to food security is incredi incredibly important um, in providing a sense of autonomy for those who access it. Um, so is there anything else that you would like to share? Any um, calls for donations? Any other information that you would like to share with our listeners? Certainly, I call for donations if people want to um, go down there themselves and check out what's missing and try and add something, or if they want to message us and talk to us about what we need. Um, that's always welcome. Food Not Bombed is doing really well in terms of volunteers. We have over 50 people involved, and we're getting um, new volunteers almost every day, but definitely more people are always welcome. Um, the more people that are on board, the more people we have to support the community. Um, and so our doors are always open for new volunteers as well. Um, it's really simple. You, you get to pick the amount of work that you do. Um, I'm generally the one who communicates with new volunteers. So 
if people just want to say, this is how much I want to commit, this is what I want to commit to, they're, you know, they're always welcome to pick their own um, expectations of what they're going to commit. And some stuff is done just like on their own. So if you're shy, you can still take some um, tasks that you can do on your own, yeah. like deliveries. Or, um, and I would say that if, if someone goes to the fridge and it's like pretty empty, like don't get disencouraged because we just got this started. So not, not a lot of people have been donating, but yeah, we just want to spread the word. Yeah, well, um, we will do our part to spread the word as far as we can. And um, I hope that this project grows because it is a great and necessary thing for the city. Um, so thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This was very illuminating. And um, could you give your social medias one more time? So Food Not Bombed Edmonton on uh, Facebook as well as Food Not Bombed Edmonton on Instagram and um, Food Not Bombed Edmonton at gmail.com um, is maybe a more confidential way to send us an email. Um, yeah. And then there's the community fridge YEG on Instagram for the for specifically the community fridge. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Before we sign off, we'd like to get a little serious for a moment. For those who are unaware, November 20th is Trans Day of Remembrance. This day began in 1999 to honor Rita Hester, a transgender woman who passed away due to violence in 1998. Today, this day is traditionally observed by a vigil that remembers all transgender people lost to violence and anti-trans bigotry. So if you can, please join us in a moment of silence to honor the transgender men and women we have lost. And with that, we are out of time for today. Thank you to our guest, Zia Mazera. Today's show is produced by Shane Giles, Jao Victor Krieger, 
Ash Halinda, Artemis Peasley, Terrence Adams, Shneel Renasinga, and myself, Genevieve Aslan. Gaywire is a production of CGSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. You can find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm and on Facebook, Twitter, at Gaywire, and at GaywireCGSR on Instagram. Let us know what you think of the show, hit up the DM sometime, or if you'd rather be fancy, you can email gaywire at cgsr.com and you never know, you might just get to be part of the show. Our artwork is by Travis Erickson, original music by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz. Until next week, keep it breezy and... Please stay on the line.